Amen. We're going to let the junior high be dismissed at this time. They go back and meet together in the youth room. Pastor AJ is finishing up his vacation today, and so I'm filling in for him. You know, over the last few weeks, we've been talking about who is God. That's the series we've been doing today is the last message in that series. And, you know, anytime we ask a question... It's always good to ask another question, and that is why. When you ask, who is God, why are you asking that question? And I believe that when we talk about who is God, when we talk about his name, over the last few weeks we've had messages on his name, on his character, uh, qualities, on his nature, and that's all good. But why do we want to know that? Who is God? I believe the reason that we need to know is because you and I were created in the image and the likeness of God, according to the Word of God. Each of us have a part of us that can reflect or represent God in the world. Now, we know that sin has distorted the image of God. It has lessened the likeness of God in us. But praise the Lord, God sent Jesus Christ to restore that image and likeness. Amen? It's through Christ. Christ came and he reflected the image and nature of God. He came and he represented God and showed us what it can be like for us to have a restored nature because of what God does when he takes care of that sin problem that has caused us to not reflect well. So today, I'm, I'm excited that we get to uh, do one more series, one more sermon on this. And today is more about a title than it is necessarily a name of God, can be a name of God. And uh, I think you're going to appreciate what this represents in your life. Now, I, wa- I want to help you today. We're going to have a crash course in uh, Hebrew, okay? Uh, when I was a kid growing up, my friends and I, we would demonstrate our skills in martial arts. And with our bare hands, mind you, we would break sticks with our bare hands. Small sticks. Old, dried up sticks. And when we did, we would always use this phrase because it added so much power. It was always, hiya! Okay? Now, will you help me? Will you at least humor me? On the count of three, would everybody say hiya for me? Okay? One, two, three. Hi-ya. Ooh, wow. Now, a little bit more. Let's say it again, only this time let's do the judo chop, okay? Uh, let's do this together. Now, I'm doing this for a reason to help you remember this, okay? So on the count of three, everybody get your judo chop hand, bare hand, okay? And, and the stick can be as big as you want it to be, okay? Because you have the power. All right. One, two, three. Hiya! Wow. There are trees trembling around here because they heard that when you said that. Now, uh, the word hiya in Hebrew has a specific meaning. And the, the phrase or the title that I'd like to use is El Haya. Okay? El represents power, might, a God of strength, a God who has the creative power to cause things and control things. And the word Haya means life. The God of life. It's in Psalms chapter 42, verses 1 through 2, that uh, we can see where this phrase comes into play. Familiar portion of scripture. It says, As the deer pants for the streams of water, 
So my soul longs for you, O God. I thirst for God, the God of life. Now, I don't know if you've ever had one of those times when you were extremely thirsty. When you maybe left your water somewhere, you didn't have access to water, and you just were working hard or playing hard, and you just got so thirsty and, and even began to feel dehydrated. You know, when I read this scripture, I think about those times when I was lacking water and just desperate. The whole idea is this deer is panting, is desperate for water, but he's also, the psalmist is writing, he's desperate for God. Back in February of 2001, I was privileged to go and to train leaders in the underground church in Vietnam. Now, what I was doing was illegal because uh, the communist government did not support Christians and uh, Americans coming and helping Christians in the underground church. And uh, it was not only illegal, but it was risky what I was doing. But, you know, God always makes a way when we have a way. Uh, every morning, this little old man on a Honda 90 would come pick me up at the hotel and take me to some place in Ho Chi Minh City that I, if I would have not had him, I never would have got back because they took us to homes where Christian leaders would gather and meet. Now, when I said it's risky, here's the reason it was risky. It was because there were motorbikes everywhere. At that time, it was estimated that there were seven and a half million motorbikes in Vietnam. Three million of them were in Ho Chi Minh City. And I just want you to know, they do not have any rules of the road. I guess the only rule they have is whoever gets in the space first gets it. And um, they were going this way and that. And so I prayed more on my ride from the hotel to whatever home I was teaching at that day. It was wild and it was crazy. And everybody used their horn. It was like they just loved using that horn. And it didn't mean anything, but it was just like, nee, 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 and stuff. But when I would arrive at a home, the... Uh, different leaders would come in slowly. They would filter in because they didn't want to draw attention to this home. And uh, the communist soldiers were watching and, and observing and, and, and trying to catch people doing the wrong thing. And so what we were doing was illegal and it was, it was risky. But when I would arrive, uh, they would bring me a little table and, and a little chair, and they would all sit on the floor, and I would teach from six to seven hours a day. And they were always sad when the time came because they tried to get us out of that area before dark. And they'd say, couldn't you just teach one more hour? I mean, I, they just pulled it out of me. Now, one of the things, the men that uh, was our contact person, uh, he told them the American teacher needs bottled water. And for the most part, that worked out pretty good. One day I went to a house, and I was there. They had a table of chairs, and I sat down, and, and I was looking over my notes, and they told us if anybody offers anything, be very gracious and, and receive it with, with thanks. And so this young teenage boy comes in. He has a bottle of water. He has a glass, and he says, I've brought you bottled water. I said, thank you. And he said, would you like me to pour you some water? And I said, that would be wonderful. And I went back to my notes, looking at them, reviewing them for the day. And I took a drink of the water a little bit later, and it didn't taste right. In fact, it tasted very wrong. <laughs> 
And when I looked at the bottle, the bottle of water was a worn bottle. It was not a new bottle. And on closer inspection, it was living water because there were little squigglies swimming in this water. I don't know where they got it, but technically it was bottled water. Uh, that day, I did not drink any water. <laughs> and for six to seven hours, I taught. It was hot. It was humid. And by the end of the day, I was experiencing dehydration. I had a headache. I felt nauseated. I couldn't wait to get back to the hotel where we had bottled water. So when I read this story, as a deer pants, longs for the streams of water, I can go like, yeah, I know what that deer feels like. And maybe you can too. You know, this metaphor that the psalmist is using, this deer panting for water, it's not just that the deer is dry, but he's desperate. He's desperate for the streams of life-giving water. And in the same way, the psalmist is saying, we need to be thirsting for God. We need to be longing for the God who provides us with life because He is the only one that can satisfy. He's the only one that can help us to live the life that God has orchestrated for our lives. The psalmist is desperately missing time with God. And we don't know the circumstances, but we know that in the Old Testament they would go to the temple and there were pilgrimages they would have and annual festivals that they were to go to the, to the temple. And I believe with all my heart because the presence of God was there when they got there, they sensed the presence of God. They experienced God's presence because God said, I will be there. And so this... Psalmist is saying, oh, I long for those times to be in God's presence. I long to be in that point, a place where I can be with God. You know, if God were to ask you the question, do you miss me? Uh, we would all answer differently. And a lot of the differences has to do with our level of relationship with God and how we have been or have not been relating to God. You know, if a stranger came up to me and says, have you been missing me? I go, I don't even know you. How could I miss you? Uh, if somebody that maybe I had a chance meeting with and they introduced themselves and I introduced myself, but it just, it just, you know, wasn't much of a conversation and they came and said, Are you, have you missed me? I go like, I, I, no, no, I really haven't. Now, if I have a relationship that's more of a casual acquaintance, somebody I know, somebody I talk to on a regular basis, and they come and say, did you miss me? I'm, I might say, yeah, yeah, I've been missing you. I enjoy talking with you and stuff. But somebody that I'm very close to and have a, a close relationship, and they would come and say, did you miss me? I would say, oh, man, I missed you because I enjoy being with you. I feel so much better when I'm with you. It's, it's so much fun to be with you. You see, that's the kind of God God wants to be, that close God. Not just a stranger like he is to many. Not just a, a, a chance meeting. Not just a casual acquaintance, but he wants to be close. In verse 8 of Psalms 42, the psalmist goes on and he says, Day after day you show me loving kindness. There's this closeness, day after day. That is why at night my prayer is a song of praise to you. Now notice the difference. My God of life. Not just the God of life, but now it's my God. He's, 
He's saying there is relationship that you and I have. I want you to know that we were created with the capacity to know God personally, intimately. Not just know about Him, but to know Him, to have a relationship with Him and and that capacity to know God. In Acts chapter 17, a story about Paul who goes to Athens and he comes to Athens because he wants to share the gospel and he's waiting for Timothy and Silas. He sent word, join me there and let's do some ministry. And, and, and Paul is walking around the city and he gets very distressed, the Bible says, because he sees all these idols. He sees all these shrines to different gods and goddesses. He sees all these temples that have been built. And Athens at this point in time is known as the Mecca of worship to gods and goddesses from all over and from everywhere. They are People come here because they believe that the gods actually would manifest or make themselves known in this city. It was known for that. So when Paul walks around and he sees all these, he's distressed. And the Bible says that he goes to the synagogue and he talks to the Jews and, and tells them about Jesus Christ and the resurrection. And they aren't real interested. In fact, they they, they turn against him more or less. Then he goes to the city square and he begins to talk about it. And for a lot of people, this is foreign stuff. They've never heard about this. They don't want to hear about it. But somebody along the line hears. And in that city, there was the high city council who was over the city that promoted worship to gods and goddesses. They, that was their responsibility And so they said, you need to come talk to them and share this strange stuff to them. So Paul obliges and he goes and he's before the high city council and he's speaking to them. And the scripture says that Paul says this, people of Athens, I can see that you are very religious in all things. Now you can be very religious and not have a relationship with God, right? And these people were very religious. He says, going through your city. Shrines and I, I've seen I, uh, shrines and idols you worship. He said, I even saw this one altar to the unknown God. And you see, I think part of it was they wanted to be sure they didn't leave any gods out. So just in case, here's the God. And things would happen and they didn't know which God had done it. So they just said, well, if you did it, we're going to worship you. We're going to honor you in that. And he says, I saw this altar. But he goes on, he says, you worship a God that you do not know. And then he says this, this is the God I want to tell you about. Since you've been looking for him, since you've been wondering about, I know him. I'm going to tell you about him. And then Paul begins to share some things with them. Now, what you need to understand, the, the fact that Paul is there in the city council with them. Is, is an unusual thing. The Greeks are a very proud and prejudiced people. They believed if you weren't Greek, then you were a barbarian. That's, and, and you looked down. And there was a lot of discrimination. There was a lot of, uh, of prejudice going on. In that same city, there are Jews. And the Jews said, if you weren't a Jew, then you're a Gentile and you're a heathen. So there's just a lot of things going on. And the things that Paul are about to say, he says in a place where it's racially charged environment. 
And he says some important things that I think would do us well as believers to, to hear. Verse 24 of Acts 17. He says, the God who made the whole world and everything in it is the Lord of the land and the sky. He does not live in temples built by human hands. They, they believed that gods and goddesses, the spirit, lived in there. He said, no, he doesn't live there. You can't do, reduce him down to that level. He goes on to say, verse 25, this God is the one who gives life. All the gods and goddesses they served didn't provide them with life. They were as dead gods. He says, the one who gives life, breath, and everything else to people, he does not need any help from them. He has everything he needs because they believed if they worshiped, they would somehow empower them and, and enable them, these gods and goddesses, to do more. He said, nah. Now listen to what he says this. Again, racially charged environment. God began by making one person. And the Hebrew there represents one blood. God made one blood, one kind. And from him, we know it to be Adam, came all the different people, the anthropos, or if you've studied anthropology, you know it's about man. Now it is, has become more about just man. It also now includes evolution and the process of man becoming. But the word literally means a human being, a, a person. Uh, an individual. So he says from that one man came different people who live everywhere in the world. Let me just make a statement here. And I, I don't want to go into a lot of details. I can't. But you see, we are all the same in the sense that we have one blood. Created by one God. And our sameness, I believe, is what defines us. We are human beings, different from all of other, God's other creation. Now, the differences more describe us and who we are. Tall, short, young, old, skinny, not so skinny, <laughs> black, white. That describes what we are. It does not define us because the Bible defines that we are one blood and we come from one man, Adam, created by God. The problem is that we a lot of times let the differences define us. And that's where we get into problems. You know, if you have students in college or high school, maybe even lower grades, uh, parents, I would be very concerned if they are teaching the theory of evolution, especially espoused by Charles Darwin, because Jar Charles Darwin, in The Origin of the Species, broke down and classified people based on skin color, on eye color, on hair color. And he said that there are certain evolved species that are more superior than others. And in his teachings, those who are of lighter skin are more superior to those people of skin of color. That goes contrary to the word of God. Now, if that bothers you, he also said that men were more superior to women because they had bigger brains. I'm not sure if that's true or not. <laughs> 
But you see, he has done a great disservice to mankind by saying there are different species. Some are better than others, more superior and stuff. And it's caused division and discrimination and strife in the world. God's word tells us the truth. And if we could just embrace the truth, then it would change a lot of things in our heart and our attitude. Well, let me go on. Verse 26, Paul writes, God decided exactly where, uh, when and where they would live. Now, verse 27, God wants them to look for him and find him, though he is not far from any of us. Paul is saying that regardless of where you're at and, and what you're like and where, what is going on in your life, God wants you to seek him, the creator. And he wants you to find him. And he makes it very easy for you to find him. And we know that God made a way for us to know him. And that way is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came, the only begotten son of God, God in the flesh. And he reflected the character and nature of God. He represented God. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. And he showed love. He showed the character and nature of God. And and we say like, man, I want to be that way. And he says, you can be that way. Now sin has separated you from God. Uh, unholy people cannot be connected with a holy God because that sin disconnects us. But there is a way. And he sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross. And whoever believes in him, whoever accepts Jesus Christ as their savior, then there is a, a connection. That's why Jesus said in John 10, 10, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. That's why Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Ephesians, or excuse me, 1 John 5, 11 says, God has given us eternal life and this life is in his Son. The way to reconnect is only through Jesus. And God wants us to experience his presence, his life to the fullest extent. The last verse that Paul shares, and I'll share today, verse 28, it says, In him and by his power we live, we move, and we exist. Apart from God, we could not live, we could not move, we could not exist. That's what Paul was saying. So what does it mean when we have come to the point where we believe that God is the God of life and we've, through salvation prayer, we've made him the God of our life. The God of life suddenly becomes the God of our life. Well, there are four things that I believe happen and we can experience. Uh, first of all, he is our source. He becomes our source in life. He is the source of life. He is the point and the place of origin. We experience life because of him. You'll remember in the Old Testament when God created Adam and he breathed in him and he became a living soul. Had God not breathed life into him, he would have continued to be a dead soul. But he now becomes a living soul. God is the source of our life and we look to him and we learn to rely on him and to trust him and, and say, thank you, God, for life. When we worship, part of our worship is, God, thank you for life. Thank you for the opportunity to be able to worship you and to, to praise you. You see, when I see God as my source, I will feel connected to God. 
A second thing is God is our support. He keeps us alive. He not only causes us to be alive, he keeps us alive. He is our life support. Now, over the last several weeks, we've heard a lot about ventilators and how they keep people alive. God is our life support. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, it says, My God will, which is in the Greek present and future tense, meet all your need according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. I'm guessing that you're familiar with the threes, the important threes of life. A person can live without distress three weeks without food. A person can live three days without water and not experience great distress. A person can live three minutes without oxygen, without great distress. But I believe with all my heart, we could not live three seconds without God. We would, if God were to remove himself from this world, things would just immediately come to an end because he is the God of life. He is the creator, the sustainer. He is the source that we need. The Bible, in the Bible, God says, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. He won't abandon us. He's there to support us regardless of. And when I see God as my support in life, then I can feel calm about my every day because God is in control. A third thing is God is our strength. We can live strong because of the strength that God provides. Psalms 46 verse 1, the psalmist said, God is my refuge and strength, a very present help in the time of trouble. I can rely on his strength. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 says, Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And I believe it's through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit that we, are, we feel the strength of the Lord in our life. And when I have this God of life who strengthens me, then I feel confident. A fourth one is, if I have God, then he is my satisfaction. He wants to satisfy. And with that, I simply mean this, that we can live a fulfilled life because God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And when you give your life, give God control of your life, he is able to fulfill and satisfy not only his desire, but the deep desires that God has created within us. We can live happily and fulfill lives because of him. Psalms 91 verse 16. With long life I will satisfy them and show them my salvation. Psalms 107 verse 9. For he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. You see, when God is the God of my life, I will feel content. Today I would just ask this question Is your life filled with that sense of connectedness to God? Is he your source? Uh, Is your life filled with that sense of calmness because he is your support? Is your life filled with confidence because he is your strength? Is your life filled with contentment because he is the satisfier of your soul? In verse 27 I go back to Paul's words. God wants them to look for him and find him, though he is not far off. 
The Spirit of God, the presence of God is here this morning. And God is longing. God is desiring for us to make Him the God of our life. And and if you do, then you will live differently than those who don't have the God of life. You see, we live a life that reflects and represents the character and nature of God when we truly have made Him the God of our life. Now, if He is not the God of your life, life can be a struggle. A struggle that will drain the life out of you. Dissatisfied people are never satisfied. They're always discontent. They're always searching, looking, longing for something to satisfy. And they look to the world to try to find it. And God says, no, I'm here. Just look to me. Just let me be the God of your life. If you're here today and and he is, then this message resonates in your heart. And you go like, yes. But if you're here today and he is not the God of your life, If you're searching and seeking things in this world to satisfy, then you're going to have a hunger, you're going to have a thirst, a longing, but it will not be fulfilled with anything other than Jesus Christ. And so today I want to give you that opportunity. If you're here today and you've never accepted Christ, you can do that right now. And I want to lead you in a prayer. If you're here today and maybe you feel disconnected from God, I think this prayer can help reconnect you to God and get you back into right relationship with Him. So let's bow our heads together. And I want to lead us in this prayer. And I'd like everybody to pray aloud and and loud, if you would, please. And we'll all do this together. So if you're praying it for the first time, you're not alone. We're with you. And we want to celebrate what God is doing. So repeat this after me. God of life, today I realize... I have been looking and longing for you. I believe you sent Jesus to help me find you. I accept him as my savior. Forgive me of all my sins. Change me from the inside out by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a praise because of what he has done to provide us life.